All right. Good evening, everybody. So good to see you. Oh, come on, man. I know we're tired. I know it's middle of the week, and everybody's like, we're peaced out from worship. It was kind of like a nice worship where we just got to praise our Lord and sort of rest and sit back and enter into the throne of God and just... And then I'm like, hello, and you guys are like, yeah, hey, do your thing up there. Get going, huh? (laughs) Open Open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 12. You know, it's important for us to laugh, isn't it? Laughter's really good. We need to have that. You know, I don't know how your week's going. I'm praying your week has been blessed. I'm praying you've been meeting with Jesus every day in your word, and you've come here tonight, and... The Bible's going to be open. The Word of God's going to go forward, and you are just going to be absolutely encouraged. You're going to be encouraged. You're going to be able to go to a few more days if the Lord should tarry, right? If the Lord should tarry. Well, Joshua chapter 12. All right, we've come as far as verse 1. We left and looked at the northern conquest. We went and kind of read a little bit of a summary of Joshua's conquest. Well, now we're going to kind of go back. We're going to probably spend the next few chapters. You know, when we finish chapter 12, we're really done with our second section out of four section, four sections in the book of Joshua. Uh, chapters 13 through 22 will be our next section we're going to be moving into here tonight as we move into chapter 13. And then we'll go back and look at chapters 23 and 24, where we look at the renewing of the covenant. But first, what God's going to do is he's going to recenter us back with the kings that were conquered by Moses. We're going to review that one more time. And then we're going to come back and look at the kings that were conquered by Joshua. We're going to review that one more time. God, God really wants us to know these things. And I want you to think about it. You know, as we're going to go through these chapters, we'll go at them a pretty good brisk pace. I want you to think about one thing, you know, you might be saying, Lord, why do you have this here for us to go back? We, we read about the kings. We know, Lord, you've given us or given the Israelites victory. And, and we know, you know, King Og, King Bashan, we, we, we get that, you know, King Og, Bashan, all that. But I want you to think about what God's going to be doing as we go through chapter 12. He's going to be talking about the inheritance of the land and just how significant that was. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They came into the promised land. God had promised them 400 plus years prior that he would bring them into this land that was going to be part of the covenant he made with Abraham. And as part of that covenant, he was going to take by lot, just as Jacob had poured that blessing out over his sons. And he was going to divide that land and Israel was going to inherit that land as part of God's promise as his chosen people. And he was going to do that, that Israel would become a witness to the nations, the nations that were corrupt, the cities that were corrupt. And God's plan and purpose was to show that he's a promise keeper. So I know we come through some of these chapters and we're like, okay, Lord, we're going to see this again. But if that was you, if you were the king and, you know, or you were Joshua and you're going through and you're looking after, you know, just conquest after conquest that God gave you, and then the inheritance as we move into chapter 12 and the southern north, you know, as we go through all that, how important that would be to you. That was your inheritance, a promise from God for you. And I I pray that tonight, that as we look through these things, that we won't ever grow bored or stale with the word of God when we come to some of those historical chapters, but we look at the significance of how God preserves his promises so that they're examples for us. So that as we look to our lives today, and when God gives us a faithful word, we believe in those promises because they're important to us and they're certainly important to God. 
And so let's bow our heads and pray, and we'll begin here tonight. Father, we thank you again for gathering us. We thank you for this holy word. Lord, as you tell us in 1 Corinthians 10, this, these are for us as examples, as types, as witnesses. Lord, we pray you would write our eyes, our ears, our minds here tonight. Lord, we desire to see how you, God, give victory. In the days where sometimes, Lord, it, it, it can feel difficult because of oppression and affliction because of trials and circumstances that befall us, Lord, we rest in you. We rest in you, Jesus. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you, God, that, Lord, we're occupying until you come, faithfully, faithfully spreading and giving your holy truth, the word of God, nothing like it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Allow us to take these things and, as you would say, Selah, think about them and how you would give us application in our lives today, Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in your holy name, Jesus, and all God's people prayed. Amen. Amen. Let's begin in verse 1 of chapter 12. These are the kings of the land whom the children of Israel defeated and whose land they possessed on the other side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun from the river Arnon to Mount Hermon and all the eastern Jordan plain. So he's talking about the eastern side of the Jordan, Moses, all the kings that were defeated. That's what's in light and context right now. One king was Shion, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon and ruled half of Gilead. From Aror, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, from the middle of the river, even as far as the river Jabbok, which is in the border of the Ammonites. And the eastern Jordan plain from the Sea of Chinneroth, as far as the Sea of Araba, that is the Salt Sea, the roads of Beth Jeshmoth, and southward below the slopes of Pishkah. The other king was Og, king of Bashan. Do you remember that? Of the giants, of the Anakin, and those giants in that area. The significance of this is we're reading it. Remember, the first generation that was coming through there saw these kings, saw the people in these lands, and what did they do? All but two. They turned away in fear and not trusting God's promises. Joshua and Caleb. We're going to be reading tonight about Caleb receiving his promised inheritance from the Lord. But as we go through and we think about it, I want you to remember what it was like when he was going up and the children, the next generation, those that children of the parents that had passed away in the wilderness, as they were coming in and God was giving them victory and they were seeing miraculous works done before them, not taking any of it for granted. So the other king was Og, king of Bashan, in his territory, and who was a remnant of the giants who dwelt in Asheroth and Andre, and reigned over Mount Hermon, over Salakah, over Bashan, as far as the border of the Gershites and the Machites, and over half of Gilead to the border of Shion, or San, king of Heshbon. They, these Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the children of Israel had conquered, and Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given it as a possession to the Reubenites, to the Gadites, and half of the tribe of Manasseh. And we, if you remember reading, these folks are going to be the half of the tribes that choose to live on the eastern side of the Jordan, not desiring God's very best, but settling for God's second best. And as we'll read, and I've said before, Reuben... Um, 
the Gadites, some of these men and their tribes, their families would be the first that when correction comes and persecution and overall victory, these tribes are going to be the first that will be afflicted. Eastern side of the Jordan. And think about all the family and children that got to miss all the work of going over that Jordan, watching the water stop on both sides and the stones being mounted up as memorial stones. And then even on the other side and the conquest of going to Jericho and watching the, the trumpet sound and then walking around it seven times and for it to fall. And then from there, building on top of that, going to I and watching as Joshua turned around and said, we got this. And immediately experiencing defeat, 32 men died the only place we read in the whole book of Joshua of any casualties. Then for them to go back to Gilead to see those memorial stones and then to turn around and go back with God's hand, God's leading, to have significant victory over I. And we kept reading. I mean, this is real history. These aren't stories. These are historical accounts of God moving and giving the land, the land that will be to the children of Israel, the land that to this day they still have not completely inherited. And, and as we read through this, another thing that's striking, all these kings are defeated, and we're going to keep reading about them, but we're going to read on in chapter 13, 14, and 15 that they weren't completely obedient because they're going to leave a group of people there. Some they'll, in, you know, slave that way and they'll think, well, that's, you know, they're going to do work for us. And no, God said, no, you're to destroy, you're to remove, you're to inherit. There's judgment. It matters. God desires obedience over sacrifice. 1 Samuel 15, 22, mercy. We're living in such a day of relativity, a day of what do I think is right and what do I feel and should that trump the absolute very nature and truth that we find in the word of God? These passages just yell out and cry out, obedience to the one true God, for he alone gives the victory. And these are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on the side of the Jordan on the west from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon as far as Mount Helek and the ascent of Seir which Joshua gave to the tribes of Israel as a possession according to their divisions. In the mountain country, in the lowlands, in the Jordan plain, in the slopes, in the wilderness, and in the south, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites." The king of Jericho, one king of Ai, which is beside Bethel. You know, we're going to read verses 9 through 24 here. 31 kings conquered by God through Joshua. The king of Jerusalem, one king of Hebron, one king of Jarmuth, one king of Lashish, one king of Eglon, one king of Gezer, one king of Deber, uh, one king of Geder, one king of Homara. Uh, one king of Arad or Ered, uh, the king of Libna, one king of Adalam, one king of Makada, one king of Bethel, one king of Tapua, one king of Hefer, one king of Afak, one king of Lesharan, one king of Madan, one king of Hazar, one king of Shemaran, Meran, one king of Ar 
Akashafaf. I'm going with that one. Sounds good. So one king of Tanakh, one king of Megiddo, one king of Kadesh, one king of Joachim in Carmel, one king of Dor in the heights of Dor, one king of the people of Gilgal, one of the kings of Tirzah, one all the kings, 31. Hmm. Do we reflect on how God gives us victory in our lives? Now, Joshua was old, chapter 13, advanced in years. I love this. If you here feel like maybe you're starting to get to the point where you're a little old, a little advancing in the years, good company, God's not done with you yet. God wasn't done with Joshua. Now, Joshua was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, you are old and advanced in years. Just in case you didn't know that, Joshua. Joshua, you're there. And there remains very much land yet to be possessed. There is work to be done in this city. This is the land that yet remains all the territory of the Philistines and all that of the Gershites. Will you do me a favor? Will you hold your finger here? Let's turn hmm. Let's turn to the book of Job. Let's see. Give me a minute here. I'm trying to remember. Job. I want you to look, actually. We'll keep going. I want you to look at Job chapter 14, verse 5. Job chapter 14, verse 5, like that. You know, when I look and I... I begin to think about how God connects and strings pearls through his word, the precious word he gives us in Job chapter 14, verse 5. I want you to look here about something that I wonder how many of us thought about. Has God predetermined the amount of days that we live? Every breath that we have, has it been recorded by God? Have you ever wondered about that? I mean, we're on the topic of Joshi going, you know, I'm feeling a little old. And God looks and says, you are old, son. <laughs> Look at Job chapter 14, verse 5. Since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you. You have a point, God that is. You have appointed his limits so that he cannot pass. Take your vitamins, but you're not going to be going beyond the days in which God has established. You know, look away from him that he may rest till like a hired man he finishes his day. And isn't that what many of us look towards? Finishing the race strong. Finishing the race strong. God has pre-appointed days for all of us, and we should do nothing to try to circumvent those, you know, that plan, God's perfect plan. You could turn back. It was just something that the Lord brought to my heart now, because I, I wondered if, if, if people have ever thought about that, you know, Lord, do you predetermine my days? Yes, he does. And that means when your last breath is taken, you are in the perfect will of God, and you have nothing to fear. Nothing to ever fear that way. You know, I remember when mom was going to be with the Lord Jesus. Some of you have heard me talk about it before. 
you know, an under shepherd, an under rower, like many of you, I want to be in that position to help mom or help other people as they're taking those last breaths. Some of you have been privileged to be around people that have taken those last breaths. There's something very special, very special in those moments, um, very close to heaven, very close to heaven, because you, you almost can see the hand of God, even through the difficulty and pain the hand of God that's reaching out. And I remember thinking, Lord, what can I do at this moment? <laughs> and, you know, God could have said, get out of the way, right? Get out of the way. But he didn't. He was so gracious. He said, be still and know that I'm God. And he says, watch what I do. And it was like the Lord's hand just outreached, took mom's hand so graciously, that last breath, very peaceful, and she went right to be with Jesus, absent with the body, present with the Lord. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. You know, being around people that have passed and usually, you know, hospice workers, pastors, care if you're around enough people that you sort of kind of know there's some things you look at and you kind of can get an idea. God's moving here. It's coming to the end. And, uh, you know, with mom, the strangest thing is I couldn't see it. I've seen it with, I don't know how many people. I couldn't see it with my own mom. And I don't know if it was in the moment I was so overwhelmed by everything going on, just the beauty. It was a beautiful thing. The beauty of that intimacy of watching God come get his daughter and bring her to heaven. And uh, I've thought about that. And, and I thought, you know, there's so many people that want to wrestle with that. Now, it's a beautiful movement of grace, the way God takes the spirit and brings that spirit home. We shouldn't fear that. We should welcome it. Well, Joshua's getting old, but there's work to be done. Verse 2, this is the land that yet remains, all the territory of the Philistines and all that of the Gershites. From Sior, which is the east of Egypt, as far as the border of Ekron, northward, which is counted as Canaanite, the five lords of the Philistines, the Gazites, the Ashadites, the uh, Philistines, or I'm jumping around here, forgive me, the Ashkenites, the Gittites, and the Ekronites, also the Avites. From the south, all the land of Canaanites, uh, Enmerah, that belonged to the Sidonians, four, verse 4, by the way, that belongs to the Sidonians as far as Aphek, to the border of the Amorites, the land of the Gabalites, and all the Lebanon toward the sunrise for Baal Gad below Mount Hermon, as far as the entrance of Hamath, all the inhabitants of the mountains from Lebanon as far as the brook Mishrath, and all of the Sidonians, them I will drive out before the children of Israel. And again, the reason I brought that up earlier when with mom is because there was no striving. And here I see with Joshua, he is older in his years. But there was no striving, was it? God went before him and did this work. Only divide a lot to Israel as an inheritance, as I have commanded you. Each tribe possesses the land that they were given to them individually. Now, therefore, divide this land as an inheritance to the nine tribes in the half-tribe of Manasseh. With the other half-tribe, the Reubenites and the Gadites received their inheritance, which Moses had given them beyond the Jordan, eastward, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given them, right? So we see east of the Jordan, the land of the king of Shion, the Amorites, and the Bashan that was conquered. This is what the area and land they're talking about. 
from Eror, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, and the town of that in the midst of the ravine, and all the plain of Midbah, as far as Dibian, all of the cities of Shion, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, as far as the border of the children of Ammon, Gilead in the border of the Gershrites and the Machahites, all Mount Hermon and all Bashan, as far as Salka. And the kingdom of Og in Bashan, who reigned in Ashroth and Andre, who remained of the remnant of the giants, for Moses had defeated them and cast out these. Nevertheless, the children of Israel did not drive out the Gershites and the Machites, but the Gershites and the Machites dwell among the Israelites until this day. This may seem like a small issue, but later David would go through and complete this. I want you to think about the problem, though, that it brought for David, King David. Because if you remember in your Bible, in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 3, or 2 Samuel chapter 13, verses 37 and 38, Daniel, or David, excuse me, married a woman, a Gershite. With this woman, he had a son. Do you know what his son's name was? Absalom. Absalom. Did you ever connect the dots? Absalom was born. Do you remember that when Absalom came against his father David, where he fled for three years? Look at 2 Samuel. Turn in your Bible, 2 Samuel. Second Samuel chapter 13, I believe. Look around verse 37. But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Emehud, king of Gershir, the Gershirites. Do you see that? And David mourned for his son every day. Because Israel was not faithful to drive out these inhabitants of the land, it provided a place for Absalom to go three years while his dad mourned because his mother's family was from that area. And so he went to his mother's family that dwelt in that area and provided a place. And what it later on did, if you've read 2 Samuel, you know it builds hostility because he becomes more hostile to his dad. It wasn't until Joab turns around and goes back, if you remember, and says, David, you're, more, you're sad. You're more, why wouldn't you go and tell Absalom to you know, come back or to, to talk with you like that? And he says, no. You know, no. But Joab goes, right? Because he knows what he needs to do. Joab goes, tells Absalom, come back with him. He then comes back, dwells within that area. But then he doesn't get a court or an opportunity to go in and see David for years. And it continues to build this, uh, you know, this, this uh, bitterness, this anger, until finally he strikes and revolts against his dad. And David flees, King David flees the city. And all the pain and destruction that came from that. simple verse, nevertheless, the children of Israel did not drive out the Gershrites. Do you see that? This may seem like a small thing. There may be seem small things in your life when God has given you a command or a statute or a judgment. 
And what's the big deal? Lord, it's just this little thing. But we can't see what that's going to turn into, can we? God's ways are far beyond our ways. He's a loving God. And if your dad loves you and he tells you, your father loves you and tells you, don't do this or do this, and to go a different direction, that expecting a different result, well, that's the very definition of insanity, isn't it? Lord, save us today. Verse 14, only to the tribe of Levi, he had given no inheritance. The sacrifice of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance, as he said to them. Did you see that? Levi's inheritance was no longer land. What was it? It was sacrifice, right? Levites were given security by sacrifices from the offerings of the land. They were fed by that. They were given, the the pastors, the Levites, the priests were given food to be taken care of. They didn't receive an inheritance of land. Their security was not tied to the land the way the tribes had their security. Where was their security to come from? God alone. And very much to this day as an under-shepherd, my security, your security, you're a royal priesthood, a precious people. You've read 1 Peter 2.9. Where does your security come from? from the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Now we're going to look at the land of Reuben, the the lot that will be given to this land of Reuben. And Moses had given to the tribe of the children of Reuben an inheritance according to their family. So we're going to see this divvying up of the, uh, you know, the the, the territory assigned to the tribes. We're going to see that really from chapter 13 all the way through chapter 19. In the next chapters we read, it's all going to be the dividing of the inheritance uh, the lot, as it was said. And, and what's so striking is you go back and you read how Jacob had prayed that blessing and how he described, it's almost, well, <laughs> it's miraculous, isn't it? Because it's exactly, you can go back and study that and just how it's going to go, you're going to receive it. And it comes out almost, it, well, very much identical. It's a, it's a great study to go back and forth and look at Jacob's blessing or Condemnation for some, for some of his sons, right? And Moses had given to the tribe of the children of Reuben an inheritance according to their families. Their territory was from Aor, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, and the city that is in the midst of the ravine and all the plain by Medba. Heshbon and all its cities that are on the plain, Debion, Bemoth, Baal, Beth, Baal, Mion, Jehaz, Kedemoth, Mapoth, Kirjamam, Sheba, um, Zerath, Shehar, on the mountains of the valley, Beth Peor, the slopes of Hishka, and Beth Jeshmoth. And all the cities of the plain, and all the kingdom of Shion, Sion, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, whom Moses had struck with the princes of Midian, Evi, Rechem, Zerher, and Reba, who were the princes of Sion dwelling in the country. The children of Israel also killed with the sword Balaam. Oh, we remember Balaam, don't we? Numbers? Balaam and Balak. Balak put Balaam up to trying to curse God, or specifically his people, the Israelites, coming against God that way. When God said, these are going to be my chosen people, he tried four times. What happens all four times? He ends up blessing the people. And then he does what? Can't beat them that way. So we read on, what did he do? He says, well, if we can't get them that way, let's get them with lust. So he turns around, he goes to Israel, and he hung out in that area. He was just supposed to be going back to his hometown, but he hung out in the area, and he says, you know what? Balak, you really want to get through. Do you remember this? You really want to go through and you get to get to the Israelites and destroy them. 
use the women, lust. Take the Moabitess women and have them go in and have relations with the Israelite men, and you'll see. You'll, call, you'll cause them to fall and crumble. So Balak hears and hears the word of Balaam. He turns around, and that's exactly what happens. And Phineas, if you remember, if he didn't turn around and put that javelin, that sword right through the very act of a man and woman in a tent, uh, adulterous, immoral, certainly a type of idolatry of a broken covenant, turning around and going through like that, then what happens? God says, because of the zeal of Phineas, if he had not done that, I would not have what? Moved my hand, but now I will put my hand and stop because of his zeal, right? Certainly not prescribing us to do that today, but is a great witness. And so from that, we turn around and, you know, God is pointing and drawing us back to this attention of, of what happened to this character, this false prophet, this false witness that is not a witness or a prophet of God, right? He, he turned around and, you know, for all intents and purposes, did everything he could to try to come against the Israelites. And what did he say? And the children of Israel also killed with the sword Balaam. He received justice, didn't he? He got what he had deserved, didn't he? You know, when we read it back in Numbers, we didn't know how that ended, but clearly here God shows the son of Bear, the soothsayer among whom they were killed by them. Those were killed by them. And the border of the children of Reuben was on the bank of the Jordan. This was the inheritance of the children of Reuben according to the families, the cities, and their villages. Now we're going to look at the land of Gad, the tribe of Gad. Moses also had given inheritance of the tribe of Gad to the children of Gad according to their families. Their territory was Jazer, and all the cities of Gilead, and a half of the land of the Ammonites, as far as Aor, which is before Rabbah, as far, and from Heshbon to Ramoth Mitzbah, and Betanom, from Manahim to the border of Deber, and in the valley of Beth Haram, Beth Nimrah, Sukoth, and Zephon, to the rest of the kingdom of Shion, or Sion, king of Heshbon, with the Jordan and all its borders, as far as the edge of the Sea of Chinnereth, and on the other side of the, the Jordan eastward. This is the inheritance of the children of Gad according to the families and the cities and their villages. So we're talking east of the Jordan still. You guys are tracking with me, right? You're following me? We're still talking east of Jordan, right? We haven't got to west of Jordan. That's going to be chapter 14. Moses also had given inheritance to half of the tribe of Manasseh. It was half of the tribe of the children of Manasseh according to their families. Their territory was from Manahim, all the way all Bashan, and the kingdom of Og, the king of Bashan, and all the towns of Jair, which is in Bashan, 60 cities, half of Gilead, Asheroth, Adre, uh, cities of the kingdom of Og, and Bashan were of the children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, uh, for half of the children of Machir, according to their families. These are all the areas that Moses had, a, had distributed as an inheritance in the plains of Moab because God had told Moses it was okay, and Moses had promised this to Reuben, Gad, and half of the tribe of Manasseh. God's a promise keeper, and the inheritances are going exactly as it's supposed to. By Jericho eastward, right? But to the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance. That's a good inheritance. Hey, that's our inheritance too, amen? In the new covenant, that's our inheritance, right? Jesus. Jesus. Hmm, I like that. We just read about that in 2 Corinthians this Sunday, didn't we? It's a beautiful inheritance we have in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is our resurrection now. 
And he said to them, these are the areas. Now we're going to go and look at the west of the Jordan, okay? These are the areas that the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distribute as an inheritance to them. Do you see that? All the overseers were present, and it was done according to the righteousness of God that Joshua and those that were overseeing gathered together to make sure that everything was done according to obedience uh, according to what God had commanded in obedience. Do you see that there? It's a good example. It's a good example when we, we do things according to the Lord. Is there oversight? Oversight and accountability. Very good things in our lives. Good things in the church. Oversight, accountability, transparency. These are good things. Their inheritance was by lot, as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and a half tribe. For Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and a half tribe on the other side of the Jordan, but to the Levites he had given no inheritance among them, other than as we had read, the Lord God. For the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and they gave no part to the Levites in their land except cities to dwell in with their common lands for their livestock and their property. As the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal. Now, I love this because Caleb, finally Caleb, Joshua's, you know, he's 85 now, Caleb, right? 40 years old. Uh, I think he was 40 years old and 45 years had passed. He's now 85, and he recounts the promises of Moses to him and the inheritance. And now he gets to see the blessing poured out and how he had waited 85 years. Sometimes we wait a few years. Lord, did you forget about me? 85 years in total sum, 45 years in waiting for that blessing. But it was worth it, wasn't it? It was worth it. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jubnah, the Kenzanite, said to him, he was of the tribe of Judah, as you know, you know the word of which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God. Do you remember this promise? Numbers chapter 13, uh, verses 1 through 25. You know the word of which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. It's just to think back. He says, hey, Joshua, you remember that? You remember that, Joshua? We were kids. We were kids back then. You remember that? Joshua was probably looking very fondly at Caleb because it was just him and Caleb. If you remember, they were the only two. And they stood up and they stood in the gap and did what was right. They didn't misrepresent God. They gave a true account of what had happened. There's something beautiful to reminisce like that when you're with brothers or sisters and you stand in the gap of righteousness, no matter what's befallen you. And you look and you're like, do you remember you know, I think back to Peter and John. Remember when we were in prison, man? And we got out? Yeah, do you know what we did next? Yeah, do you remember we went to that prayer room? We prayed for more boldness to get into more supernatural trouble, right? To go out and spread the gospel. We didn't just come back and kind of go, well, Lord, we, we, you know, please, Lord, don't put us in prison anymore. Oh, no. Lord, let your word go forward. We leave the consequences to you. Something special about I love that. Memorializing what God has done in your life and looking back, you and the Lord, you and God are a multitude. He says, I was, well, let me go back. You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea, hmm. to spy out the land. And I brought back, 
word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I, and there it is, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 35 through 36, but I did what? Friends, can you say this for me in my house? I serve the Lord, right? But also what? The word of the Lord I wholly followed. The Lord my God, not I sometimes followed, not when it suited me I followed the Lord my God, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. The entire counsel of God, all 66 books that hangs on the law and the prophets, that is what guides me, my Lord Jesus Christ and his inspired, infallible, perfect, God-breathed word. Amen? Not does he just say it once, he'll say it twice. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance. He recounts the promise, and your children forever, because you have, and Joshua says, and the reason, as Moses had declared, was because you had wholly followed the Lord my God. I love this. Caleb is bold, man. He's like, Do you remember that promise? That promise Moses gave me? I want you to remember more is caught than taught. Because we're going to read about this, and this is going to be a comparison and contrast as we get to chapter, I don't know that tonight we'll get there, but chapter 16 and 17, we're going to see when they didn't wholly follow the Lord God, they're going to, two tribes are going to come up and complain and say, you know, gosh, there's not enough land for us. We need more land. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're tough. We can do it. And Joshua's going to say, go up and take the hill land, you know, where the giants were. Oh, no, 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 that's not, that's not exactly what we wanted. No, no, we don't want to do that. <laughs> and Caleb's like, he's going to say, hey, you know what? I'll go take that land and have, have run that other land up there where the giants were. Absolutely, man. I'm 85 and I still got a lot of life in me. I'm just getting started, man. Me and God are a multitude. Bring it on. That's, I love it. I mean, man, 85, how about it, right? Boldness. And that boldness is catching because he's going to turn around and he's going to say, hey, my daughter, anybody that goes over in this, I'll give you my daughter. And then boldness in that. And his daughter's going to turn around and come back and say, you know what? Dad, I like your style. You know what? When whoever turns around and gets married, we want this spring in this area. And she with boldness asks. More's caught than taught. You don't get boldness just, you know, you pray, you ask God to fill you with boldness, boldness of the spirit, and then you go out. But, but you don't get boldness by not asking the Lord, Lord, fill me. Give me the boldness. I want to have the boldness to, to preach the word of God. I want to have the boldness to share the gospel with every single person I meet appropriately with love and truth. Can't have one without the other. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke his word while Moses, um, to Moses while uh, Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old, the only two that came out of the wilderness, Joshua and Caleb, right? Isn't that awesome? He's still strong, man. He's going to fight against the Anakim. And yet I am as strong this day as the day that Moses sent me. Hallelujah. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. Now, therefore, give me the mountains of which the Lord spoke in that day, for 
You heard in that day how the Anakim, the giants, were there, and that cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out. <laughs> As the Lord said, he trusts the promises of God at 85. He's like, get, get her done. He's like, Anakim, bring them on. How tall are they? 10 foot, 12 foot? God's got this. Bold, bold in the promises of God when you walk in the statutes and commandments of the Lord. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephthah, as an inheritance. <laughs> oh, he didn't choose an easy battle, but he chose a great battle with the Lord. Not with the Lord, against the Lord, but with God on his side. He didn't look for the easy way out. No, I love Caleb, man. Love Caleb. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephthah, the Kinzonite, um, to this day, because he wholly, third time, followed the Lord God of Israel. You think God wants us to follow him wholly? I think so. Keep his commandments and statutes, his judgments? I, th I think so. You think God is uh, a respecter of persons? No, the book of James tells us that's not true. You, you think God uh, changes his word? And he changes and manipulates. And no, because he's the ancient of days. Do you think God does things to entice people and persuade them and then bait and switch them? No. Do you, do you think God uh, takes and makes rock concerts and, uh, and makes a mockery of what the church is, the bride of Christ that he died on Calvary for to redeem, uh, and, and turns around and says, you know, um, you know, you, you, we're, it's relativism, I and mean, we're in the 21st century. You do it your way. No, because no. nothing's new under the sun. God still desires men and women to be bold, bold in Christ, to stand in the gap, to hold their word, to, to not apologize because what they read or say is not politically correct, but to stand in truth with love, with conviction, with a holy, dedicated heart unto God. For me and my house, I will serve the Lord. For this church that belongs to God, we will serve the Lord. We'll be that remnant. You know, this parking lot, the day the rapture comes, it's going to be empty. It's going to be empty, man. We got a bunch of Caleb's in here. I like it. So this was the lot of the tribe of the children of Judah. You know, we look here, chapters 15 through 17, Judah, Ephraim, Western you know, Western Manasseh we're going to talk about. So this was the lot of the tribe of the children of Judah, according to their families, the border of Edom in the wilderness of Zin. Southward was the extreme southern boundary, and their southern border began at the shore of the South Sea, Salt Sea, excuse me, from the bay that faces southward. Then it went out through the southern side of the uh, ascent to Akraman, passed through Zin, ascended to the southern side of Kadesh Barnea, passed along Hezron, went up to Adar, and went around Karka. From there it passed towards Asmon and went out to the brook of Egypt, and the border ended at the sea. 
This shall be your southern border. The eastern border was the Salt Sea, that sea, as far as the mouth of the Jordan and the border of the northern quarter began at the Bay of the Sea and at the mouth of the Jordan, the border went up to Beth Hagelah. You, you understand what he, it's giving them the demarcation of what the borders are. The border went up to Beth Hogala and passed through north of Beth Erba, and the border went up to the stone of Bahan, to the son of Reuben. Then the border went up toward Deber, to the valley of Achor, and turned northward toward Gilgal, which is before ascent to Adumin, which is on the south side of the valley. The border continued toward the waters of Enshemesh and ended in Enrogel. And the border went up to the valley of the son of Hinnom, to the southern slope of the Jebusite city. You know the Jebu, right? You know Jebu and the Jebusites? That's Jerusalem. Jebu was the one that was in Jerusalem, the Jebusites. They were removed from Jerusalem. It's actually one of the latter cities that will be conquered. Initially, it was not. They did not take Jerusalem. We'll, we'll read that, but for information, as we're going. Um, the border went out to the top of the mountain that lies before the valley of Hinnom. Westward is at the end of the valley of Rephim, or Rephim, uh, northward. Then the border uh, went around from the top of the hill, the fountain of the water of Nephetah, and extended to the cities of Mount Ephraim and to the border that went around Bela and Kir Kirjith, Jerim, and to the border turned westward from Bela to Mount Seir. You guys hanging in there? Yep. All right. Passed along to the side of Mount Jerim on the north. Hey, every jot and tittle, right? All through the Bible, every line, every verse. When we're done, you'll be able to say, I went through every line upon line, every word upon word. We don't skip anything. And passed through Timnah, and the border went out on the east side of Ekron northward. Then the border went around Shirkon, passed along to Mount Bela, and extended to Jabneel, and to the border ended in the sea. Uh, I, I think the important part God is showing us, it's important to see his faithfulness again as, as a promise keeper. The west border was the coastline of the Great Sea. This is the boundary of the children of Judah all around according to the families. Now to Caleb, the son of Jimna, he gave a share among the children of Judah according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, namely Kirjath Arabah, which is in Hebron. Arabah was the father of Anak. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there, Shishai, Ahiman, and Telemai, the children of Anak. Then he went up from there to the inhabitants of Deber, for only known, the name of Deber was Kirjath-Sefer. And Caleb said, He who attacks Kirjath-Sefer and takes it, to him I will give his daughter, right? Akesh, my daughter, as a wife. Not only bold, but he encourages others to be bold. Do you see that? So Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it, and he gave Akish his daughter as a wife. So Othniel, you know, was faithful. Now it was so when she came to him that she persuaded him. I love this. Now she learned from dad how to be bold, right? So it was when she came to him that she persuaded him to ask her father for a field. So she dismounted from her donkey and Caleb said to her, what do you wish? She answered, give me a blessing since you have given me land in the south. Give me also the springs of water. So he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. That's a big deal. Water was a big commodity in that day, all right? That's not something to take lightly. And he came back and he honored that. He honored her boldness because she wasn't asking out of a will hard or a greed, but out of faithfulness, out of faithfulness. The cities of Judah. 
going to look at the cities and villages. We'll probably get through these last verses, and then we'll, uh, we'll probably close there tonight, okay? And then we'll come back. You guys hanging in there? Yeah. All right, hanging in? All right. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Judah, according to the families. The cities at the limits of the tribe of the children of Judah toward the border of Edom in the south were Kabzil, Eder, Jagur, Kena, Damana, Adana, Kadesh, Hazor, Ithnan, Ziph, Telim, Baluth, Hazor, Hadeth, Kirath, Hezron, which is, I laugh because I'm winging this, guys, right? I'm winging this. Uh, Amam, Shema, uh, Moladah, Hazar, Kedah, Heshman, Beth, Palet, Hazar, Shalu, Barsheba, Bezernath, Bela, Ijim, Ezim. Why couldn't it be like Lollipop, Street, Mulberry? Ziglag, right? Where'd I leave off? What verse? 30. 30. Praise the Lord. You are paying attention. That was a test. <laughs> Y'all passed. Atalad, Chesil, Hormah, Ziglag, Madmanah, Sanshana. Why not? Leboth, Shilim, In, Riman, all the cities in the, are 29. And with their villages in the lowland of Eshtel, Eshel, Zara, Ashnan, Zonath, and Ganim, Tamun, Enam, Jermuth, Adum, Sokuth, Azak, Ka, Sharim, Elim, <laughs> Gidar, I don't care how many times you practice this, Gidarathim, 14 cities with their villages, Zainan, Hadadash, Migdal, Gad, uh, Dilan, Mizbah, Jokithil, Ikshish, Bashkath, Kiglon, Kebron, Lamash, Kilish, Gedrith, Beth, Dagon, Naamah, and Mekada, 16 cities of their villages, Libna, Ether, Ashan, Jiptha, Ashnath, Dizib, Kilib, Eshib, and Marisha, nine cities with their villages, Ekron with its towns and villages. I'll tell you what, if you're one of these guys, Lo, you care about this, right? If you're of the tribe of Judah, you're like, don't forget me, man, right? And God kept it. He, 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 uh, he kept it here for us. For Ekron to the sea, all near Ashdod with their villages, Ashdod with its towns and villages, Gaza with its towns and villages, uh, as far as the brook of Egypt and the great sea and its coastline in the mountains co uh, country, Shamir, Jatir, so Sokua, Dana, Kirjath, Sana, which is Deber, Eneb, Eshma, Anim, Goshen, Halun, Kelo, 11 cities with their villages, Arab, Duma, Ishfin, Janum, Beth, Tapora. I can imagine somebody tuning in on the radio right now. What is he saying? Akpahumath, Kajabaraba, which is Hebron and Zer, nine cities with their villages, Meon, Carmel, we're getting close, Zipha, Jutah, Jezreel, Jekadam, Janath, Cain, Gibeah, Timon, 10 cities with their villages, Helul, Halulu, I want to say Halulu, but uh, Bazor, Gedor, Marath, Bethanoth, Elkatran, six cities with their villages, Karath, Kerjath, Belel, which is Kardacharim, just in case you get confused there, you know. And Rabbah, two cities with their villages. In the wilderness, Beth, Arabah, Midan, Sakath, Nebishan, the city of Salt, and Engedi, six cities with their villages. 
As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out, but the Jebusites dwell within the children of Judah to Jerusalem to this day. But the story's not complete. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 5, where we don't have all these interesting names to pronounce, and I can see that you're still awake. 2 Samuel chapter 5. Look at verses 6 through 10. Once again, we see David finishing up what the Israelites at that time were unfaithful and did not complete. Chapter 5, verse 6, And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who spoke to David, saying, You shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will repel you, thinking David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. Now David said on that day, whoever climbs up by the way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind, who are hated by David's soul, he shall be the chief and captain. Therefore, they say, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. Then David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David, and David built all around it from Milo and onward. So David went on and became great, and the Lord of hosts was with him. So sometimes we read and we have those moments in life where we step and, Lord, what happened? We expected that victory and, Lord, you told me. But maybe sometimes we're just plowing the way for that next generation that's going to come right behind us to fulfill that. How do you think that played out in David and Solomon's life? Was it not Solomon that came back and came through and ended up building that house of the Lord? But God had given that plan to David. But because of the blood on his hands, he was not able to carry that out. Don't be disheartened when you go through and God shows you something and you step in faith. And like I said, you, you want to see it brought to completion, to fruition. But at least seems like it's 75, 80% there. Trust the Lord. God used you and showed you what he had before you. God will bring someone behind you to complete and fulfill his promises. That's a good word for us all. Well, let's stop there for tonight. Y'all did it. I feel like I should clap for you all. You made it, right? I mean, so next week we'll finish up with Ephraim and west of Manasseh. We'll go to the land of Ephraim. We'll look through that. We'll go to the half-tribe. We made some good headway. We started at uh, chapter 12. We got all the way through chapter 15. So go ahead and read ahead if you'd like to practice the names so we can see how we compare. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, chapter 17 gets really interesting again um, because we start to see, as Joseph, the land splitting, we start to see a comparison as I mentioned to you, um, between this, this, you know, the half-tribe of Manasseh, between Joseph's uh, two sons, um, we get to see what, uh, what starts to happen and how they, they believe they need more land and how, uh, again, it's a good contrast to Caleb and the boldness Caleb had. You know, it's, it's who do you want to be? Do you want to be a Caleb? You know, or do we want to be a, you know, one of the people from the territory of Manasseh, you know, or, or, or something like that, so... Just something to, to pray about. Let's stand. Let's ask the Lord to bless us. 
and we'll head home for tonight, but go ahead and read ahead. Just looking at it and where we're at now, we probably have, I, I'm i gonna say two more Wednesdays, somewhere two to three more Wednesdays, if that, and then we'll be beginning, obviously, in the book of Judges next. So uh, it's exciting as we're starting to really make that clip and make our way through the entire Old Testament. Um, and unfortunately, we'll get to that book where everybody does what's right in their own eyes. And it's a constant reminder for what we see today. I, I know it's going to be hard for you to relate, but I think we can hang in there. Father, thank you. Uh, Lord, these weren't just names. These weren't just cities. Lord, these were your people, your chosen people, Lord, that tribes that you had promised, again, hundreds of years prior, that you would give them and they would inhabit this land. And Lord, I, I can't help but thinking of the fact that, Lord, as we'll read through all this, that truly the, the real thing that comes down to it is, Lord, Israel never completely inhabited the land you had given them. Even today, Lord, there's so much talk about another peace treaty with our current government and, and with Israel today, and once again, partitioning of land. But Lord God, we read in our Bibles, our word, that you had given them the whole territory. It's laid out right before us. They were to have far, far greater territory than what they have now, Lord. But Lord, we know that you're faithful. We know that your promises are true and real. And, and so we do look to that new covenant for Israel. Because one day they will inhabit Lord, during that millennial reign, all of the territory that you had for them. And Lord, we will be there as well. Jesus, thank you for that. Thank you that you are a promise keeper. Lord, it's through that that we can all trust you. Tonight, we can, we can lay those things aside. We can lay those things down and that have been just things we've been dwelling on because God, you who've begun the good work in us will finish and complete that good work. And Lord, just as we read of Caleb as we are here in this Harrisburg, West Shore, East Shore proper area, Lord, the community you've brought us to, Lord, there's a purpose every one of us are still alive and breathing. God, we know there's work to be done in this city. God, I pray that you would anoint each and every one of us here tonight, that you would fill us afresh and new with your Holy Spirit, that you would bless our steps, God, that we wouldn't walk to the left or to the right, Lord, we wouldn't, we wouldn't go any direction other than where you point us. Every single step would be uh, a step of faith, Lord, but, but immediate, immediate uh, uh, fulfillment of confirmation of your word, of your steps, of your glory, Lord. Show us more of your glory as Moses prayed. Lord, we, we want to be that people of boldness. We want to be Caleb's, Lord. We want to be Joshua's. No, better yet, Lord, we want to be conformed into your image, Jesus. We don't want the second best. God, we want your very best tonight. Lord, have your way in us. Jesus, we pray you increase in our lives here tonight and that, Lord, through you increasing, you would give us the strength, the power to decrease more of you, Lord, less of us. Lord, that's our heart's desire. Bless us and keep us. Let your face so shine upon us, Lord. Bring us your perfect peace and send us your way, God. 
We ask this in your holy name, Jesus Christ. Bless your people here, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you all. I love you all. And I look forward to seeing you on Saturday and on Sunday as the Lord should lead. And go ahead and please read ahead in your Bibles and take a moment to look to the left or right and tell somebody you love them and give them a handshake or a hug. Say hi to them. Ask them how they're doing and how their week's going. <laughs>